You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, y'all. Bayou Benders here to talk to you about the latest from our sponsors, DraftKings. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total cash prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing fantasy daily basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist means so much more with DraftKings. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now's the time to get in on all the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players, so what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, joined by my co-host, Corey, the Bayou Benders, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. And we're joined after a Big dub by the Habs a few or two days ago now against the Leafs. How are you, buddy? I'm good. Uh, I mean, it's kind of crazy. Just, just like what you're about to hear is like why it's kind of crazy. Because like I don't like I just immediately want to get into what we were talking about because like everything else just doesn't make sense right now. Because I might have asked like uh, the dumbest, the the most southern question uh, to Mason. Like, I don't even know how to do the intro without fucking just going straight into it. So, Mason, <laughs> does Canada have humidity? To give some context, we were just chatting about work and stuff, and I was telling him how fucking hot a uh, kitchen is in the summer. And he asked me this question. And, uh, like, I don't think humidity in Canada is anywhere near, like, probably what it's like in new orleans but southern ontario like the the lake our summers are fucking brutal because it's so goddamn hot and sticky and our winters are shit because the lake keeps it warm like basically like it's hard to explain the lake is so goddamn big right Mm -hmm. that it acts like the sea (laughs) <laughs> does that make sense like it it generally yeah. like the coast gets and like call it you can call it the coast is uh-huh. like entirely climatized by lake ontario so our summers they're not as hot but they're like way more humid and like 10 miles off you're fine 
right, right, but right just the, just right in the mecca of where that that water is. Yeah, I can it's look out my window. Everything yeah. I can look out my window and see the lake, right? So, what a life. Ugh, I mean, like, I'm not that life. close. If if I was like, <laughs> I'm not that well off. Fuck those lake those lake houses, Jesus. But it's yeah, it's close enough. But yeah, and then in the winter, it's so fucking annoying because I love to ski, right? And like right by my house, there's like there'll be no snow. I'll drive for 15 minutes north, and they'll have like two feet of snow. It's fucking ridiculous. Damn, that's sick. You like literally live in the part where the weathers converge and like drastically change on like either side of you. Oh, it but it's awful at the same time because it's so bipolar. Yeah, and Canada. Okay, so Canada's you, already bipolar enough. Southern Ontario weather. sounds just like just southern, basically like the the, the southern coast of. Anything along the Gulf of Mexico is like this right now. That's <laughs> what it sounded like. Yeah, but like I said, nowhere near as humid. Right. Not a chance. But as soon as you said wet, like, I was like, yeah, that was a dumb question. But, uh, but no, so like, so just, I guess the last thing I want to know. So like, you said you hated being a, because your, your first, I guess, thing into culinary or, or into like a, a a food area was uh was dishwashing and like that's what spurred the question so so oh, it yeah because like i remember every time i wanted to quit as a dishwasher like internally and like my body was just over it was when it was like like the humidity was so bad outside that it made the dish pit just like that much worse <laughs> <laughs> um no yeah i uh I, in the summer, got a job at a spa. Fucking thought I could, like, do some cool stuff. Like, maybe, like, wash towels or, like... Oh, that'd be the life. Mess with the pool. But then they saw in my resume that I worked at McDonald's <laughs> for, like, two years. And they're like, nah, we need guys in the kitchen. And I was like, fuck. Well, they offered me a lot of money to do it. So I was like, okay. And my first shift... It was like a, I don't know how to explain it. Like I, I wasn't fully employed there, but like, they were like, come in, see if you like it. And like, we want you, but I was like, I, I still have a job. Right. So I was right. like, I hadn't put in my two weeks at McDonald's yet. I go in and it's fucking nine hours of washing dishes. <laughs> and I have never, like, I've never been that hot in my entire life. <laughs> Like I was just sweating buckets and you can't cool down because no. it's already humid and hot in there, but you're drenched because Dude, it's the grossest lukewarm sauna you've like ever been to. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> like, I've been, I've been in a genuine sauna and like that's hotter, but that felt, this was worse in some, I can't even describe it. And I was like, guzzling water like i must have drank like three yeah. liters of water and then just sweated it out and then fuck i was like you said like the night ends all the fucking chefs and like all people helping prepare food they're all done and i'm fucking washing dishes for another half an hour same and fuck this chef cory <laughs> oh this chef this guy <laughs> 
thinks he's fucking Chef Ramsey. Let me tell you. Very Chef Holy shit. Buddy's barking orders. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Oh, and like, fuck. Like, dude, get off your own. <laughs> oh, it was just the worst. So they were like, at the end of the shift, he's like, so you think like you'll stay? He's like, yeah, you know, like we really liked you. You you had a good pace. Like you did good. And I just kind of looked at him, gave him my hat and said, nope. And just fucking left. <laughs> I was like, fuck this. I am never coming back here. Like, oh, my God. Oh, man. That's sick. To Dawn's. Dude. Dude, there was so many times, like, when I was 18, I was like, I should so fucking quit this place. Um. But like, dude, as soon as you said like the the amount of water you were drinking just to sweat it back out, oh, I've never felt I've never felt so gross in my life than like leaving a shift and still being like wet, just like the entirety of my fucking shirt, legs, yeah. like and just you're, you're sure just if, damp. You're not sure if it's the water or if it's like your sweat. Yeah, it's disgusting. It's it's molded. Like if you've ever gone to like a fucking metal show, and like you're throwing down the pit, or you're just like in the show. Period. Like normally it's very swampy in there, so like especially if you get by the pit, you're gonna have other people's like sweat on you. So at like the end of a show, like you're just wet and you don't know what it's from. It's like the same fucking thing. Like I don't know if this is like me forcing the cheese to come off with the fucking end you know the end of a, a, a like an industrial sprayer or you know like my sweat anymore like dude i'd go home and i'd find like little like bits of shit on me like a the tiniest piece of lettuce like oh i know it's so gross dude i felt just and like i could not get the smell out of my hands like, <laughs> oh my god dude oh. dude hot watery ketchup in the swamp like that swamp area that is the dish the dish pit is the like grossest fucking smell in the world and the thing is like you're working with other dish like people right at least i was i've never experienced a, a, an extra dish help <laughs> oh like don't no no, no. There's, there's like it's a line like fucking they had like a conveyor belt there was like two of us or two to three oh, that sounds luxurious no no no. it was fucking horrible because <laughs> it just didn't end like think about this. <laughs> there there was nine there was nine hours and three of us and i'm telling you right now we weren't done till like an hour after close with three people that's how many dishes there were yeah and fuck like <laughs> and you could just tell, like, the other people also just hated their existence. Fuck so yeah, dude. It wasn't, like, funny, like, haha, like, we're dying together. It was, like, hurry the fuck up so I can leave, you fucking tool. Like, it, it was <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, shit. Never working as a dish boy ever again. Dude, this is this might be one of my favorite intros we've ever done. Uh, <laughs> so like, it's like to feel like someone understands, you know. <laughs> You've been through the dish pit, dude. Like it's like a a calling, you know. I've been through that pain. I understand the suffering. Fucking moving back to hockey, though. Dude, uh, that was like game. fifteen minutes. So like, <laughs> let's get to like 
the best thing we could have done as a team is win a game after three losses to Toronto. Uh, winning against the Leafs, thank fuck. Like, I thought we played good. We predictably let them back into the game, as we seem to mm-hmm. always do against the Leafs. Every game against the Leafs has been close. I don't think they've blown us out once this year. I don't be mistaken. It gets but. scary to be just one goal ahead for too long against the Leafs, especially towards the ass end of the game. Oh, I'm yeah. like, I'm already expecting the worst. Like, I'm not even watching the game. I'm just panicking, watching the fucking time clock, like, every second. Yeah, but I thought the boys played good. Getting Edmondson and Petrie back together, that's a <laughs> blessing. Fucking blessing. Holy shit. About time. I think Petrie actually got points that game, too. Surprise, right? Um, <laughs> KK. I want to talk about KK now. Thomas Tatar. Actually, we'll talk about Tatar first, and we'll talk about KK. PD um, got uh, PD got one uh, an assistant appointment that game. So. Yeah, um, Tatar has, I think we can. I think it's fair to say, like, been our best forward, at least one of our best uh, since Gallagher's gone down. Absolutely. But he's really stepped up. Um, he has twenty seven <laughs> points, thirty eight games now. He was pretty far back before. Like he had a he he slumped for a while. Um, and I just think like obviously he had an empty netter. His goal from Byron, though, driving the net, being where he needed to be at the right time. I think Tatar's been making plays. And, you know, we talk about how him and Dano need to kind of step up since Gallagher's gone, which I do agree with to some extent. Mm-hmm. But I actually think that as a duo, they've played very well. Maybe Dano not as well offensively, but much better as of late. And he's also really shut down opposing teams. Austin Matthews, the second he gets a matchup and against Suzuki. Now, I love Suzuki, but it is what it – it happened, right? First shift against Suzuki, <laughs> he gets free, he scores. Yeah. Deneau didn't give Matthews anything. Like, Matthews didn't get a lot of good looks that night. He really didn't. Deneau did a great job shutting him down as much as you can. Uh, same with McDavid Dreisaitl. We talked about this before, and I understand a lot of people – absolutely hate this stat but i do think it's a little telling when it's so like i think we've talked about this before plus minus yeah plus minus is so far ahead of your team i think it's a little telling i don't think it's a perfect stat at all i think it's flawed but i think to totally dismiss it is to totally be ignorant for lack of a better term mm-hmm. and deno has plus 20 for second on the team. I think Joel Edmondson's clearly an outlier with 29 <laughs> leading the NHL. But Dano is plus 20. Tatar is plus 12. Gallagher is plus 10. That's our top line, all mm-hmm. in the top three. For Dano to be that far ahead of them, I think is just telling us to how great he is defensively. But the fact that they're all our top three forwards, right? Like that's right. that line is so good defensively. Dano's <clears throat> really picked it up lately. And before we move on to KK, I kind of just want to know, do you think – now, I'm not saying is he going to because we both know he won't, especially with the start to the season. But do you think Dano is worthy of some Selkie consideration this year? I think he fin- if he can finish out the way he's playing right now, I don't see why this could easily, like, at least be talked about in, in that aspect. Like, personally, I think as a fan base, we'll probably agree on it. But – I think on the outside, if people just look at, like, 
the the entirety of this season, like his low, and then if he just stays in this gradual projection upwards, I don't see why people wouldn't even you know wouldn't bat an eye to that. Yeah, definitely. I think I think right right now, especially like playing fantasy, like Dano is like if you're in a deep league, this is someone if he's available would definitely be someone to pick up because when he didn't start great this season, like all of my leagues just have barely touched him. So no yeah, faith I, in us, but like Dano is is kind of back, dude. May not, yeah, maybe not be back. like just goal scoring as much, but his his play other than that aspect is like polished back to normal. I think he's played well as of late. I think he's played very well. He's up to 21 points now, which is for where he was pretty good. Dino is never going to get us 60, 70 points. He's just not. Right. But he's going to, I think that he's producing, let me do some math here. That's at like a 42 point rate with his slump at the start of the season, right? Like that's not bad at all. Right. Over an 82 game season, I mean. Um, I just think that he does like he's gonna he's gonna get overshadowed because of the start of the season and because like you said he hasn't his point production even for himself isn't quite where it usually is mm-hmm. so it's not gonna be among you know because the selkie seems to be the best offensive defensive forward and he's always snubbed for it so like we're already going against you know like if he had the perfect season there was still a chance that Couturier could get slipped in you know and like yeah to know and even like Mark Saul gets like unnoticed. I mean, Mark Stone. Jesus, here we go. Yeah, because here Mark we go. Stone's, because Mark Stone's not a um, a center. But yeah, I, I know it might be an unpopular opinion, but I think if you watch to know, and you watch him closely when he plays, I think he deserves the praise of the Selkie like consideration again this year. If you look at his shooting percentage, he's at six point nine shooting. That's not gonna stay. Most players hover around 11, 10-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll bounce back up. It just will. That's how it works. KK at 7.6 with his shot, that's not going to stay either. He's going to score a few more goals. And in talking about him, I kind of want to move back on to KK, like we said. Uh, what a fucking game against the Leafs. Great few games lately, but that game against the Leafs was just astounding. Mm-hmm. I'm just happy just happy for him um like you said like it's been a rough couple of games but like he is really you put him back in in as a center and things just kind of you know he just looks that much better yeah um i think the line mates help too having guys you can finish yeah unfortunately anderson could not finish that fucking beautiful feed i'm at two on one yeah but the passes kk makes are getting better and better he sees the ice better than anyone on that. And I think Suzuki does the same thing. I think it's their major problem. The Habs' one big problem is that our two young centers make some fucking phenomenal passes. Mm-hmm. And we still don't have wingers that can finish. Drew N, I love the guy. He's played great this year. If he had 10 goals... He'd have 30 points in 39 games. He has 22 because he scored twice. 20 assists, and he's only got 22 points, right? <laughs> Fucking 
Armia coming back might help. I really do think that might help. Um, losing Gallagher, obviously that affects us too. But, and we do have like, I do think we have some wingers who can score. Anderson and Toffoli have shown they have a really good scoring touch. They're both on pace for 30 goals. Actually above 30 goals in a regular season. But I still think that this team needs that fucking like elite winger for one of them, right? I think Toffoli and Anderson playing with one on either side of him can work and that can, you know, you're going to have an option either way. They're going to put pucks in the net. Right. But I also think that, you know, you need a guy who's not going to miss, right? Who's just going to, if you, if KK gives him a feed like Anderson received, that's going in the net every time. If KK gives him a pass to the, to the right circle, he has the capability of putting a bar down, right? I think that's right. something Habs need. And I think that's something the Habs have in the <laughs> AHL. He looks like a junior Ovechkin. <laughs> he yeah. just sits in a he just sits in a dot, dude. It's amazing that circle, and he just waits for it. Yeah, and Cole Caulfield, obviously, I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and I just want to know because I think there's a lot of people torn on this, but. With Bergevin's trade deadline moves, and we'll we'll get into that after this. Um, I want to kind of focus on it briefly, but then we'll go back. Um, he acquired two two defensemen at the trade deadline. Yes, and no no wingers, no scoring help. It's almost as and if he feels like there's something that could happen. That's what I'm saying. So <laughs> there's no I need. Want to know if we you might think- have the kid. I have two questions for you. I want to know if you think personally Bergevin's going to call him up sooner than later. I think it's pretty – we can all agree that he's going to get a game or two in, but I'm talking about a real call-up, a genuine. Mm-hmm. And following that, I want to know if you think we should or if his development would be better suited in the AHL. Okay. Um, you burn a year, you'll probably get a couple starts. Like, I think it's going to happen – um, if we play, like, if we have like terrible stretches, like, you know, what we just came out of, um, it all, you, you start to question, like, is it even worth bringing him up into this? But yeah, I see what people like saying about that, but I feel like still in all, uh, this kid deserves like at least, you know, a, a handful of games, you know, this season while he's, you know, He's getting used to the AHL. He might as well get used to the NHL and bring that to the AHL until we're ready for him. But I think he'll get a couple starts. Um, I know the AHL is is still a a gap between the NHL. But uh, game one, if you just go watch uh, the the play he assisted on, which he it should have been his fucking goal if he would if like if he would have ended that, uh, it would have broke the fucking internet. But his pass to Xavier Olette, um, the way he just dangled, he just weaved through three def- three defending players um, to startle the goalie and then get it to Willette. Uh, that is NHL caliber shit. Like, like that is oh, – yeah. you would see that as like an ESPN fucking all-day replay. Um, so I think if he's doing that game one – and making a difference since then as, as impacting his team. Why not give him a couple of games, especially if we start finding a good rhythm again? 
Yeah, I um, I agree. I think uh, I'm not sure that Caulfield's going to get an extended stretch. And I like the point that you brought up about um, if this team goes on another skid, is it even worth it? And I think when you think about it, you're like, oh, the team's losing. We need some help. Let's bring up Caulfield. But I almost think it's the opposite because Bergeron's going to look at that. Why would I want to bring say, him well, into a losing culture yeah. right off the bat? When like, Joel Bouchard, the fucking <clears throat> godfather of development, can you know work with him, get him mm-hmm. some progress, get him some progression while he's winning with that phenomenal about Rocket squad. So I almost think if Montreal can string a few wins together, that is when we're going to see Cole Caulfield. And I truly believe he's going to shine. If you And you can't give him fourth-line minutes. Right. That's what they're going to have to fucking understand. It, it doesn't work with KK. Skilled, it does not going to work with Caulfield. It didn't work with Galchenyuk. We see that it works with Suzuki. Right away, he got top minutes. You have to give talented guys the minutes to create, right? And if they can put Caulfield with Suzuki or KK and they can just roll them out there and give them opportunity, allow him to make mistakes, but just allow him to play and do what he does best and just shoot. Right. He's going to score goals. Like you can't, the NHL is a different beast, but that shot is lethal in any league. And I think that say, say, uh, I don't mean to interrupt just interjection. Uh, if we were on the pace we were in the very beginning of the season, if that's where we were at and Cole Caulfield came into the AHL, I think he would immediately get, like, a couple of games here or there. Um, but right now, I don't know. Like, let us, like, find the rhythm that we're in. Don't bring him into a – where we're just playing complete defensive games all night because we're just, you know, not in sync anymore. Um, anyway, go back to what you were saying, but that's, like – that's what I was thinking. just I was just gonna say um <clears throat> I think it's great that Michael Pozzetta kind of showed the president the precedent was set by Michael Pozzetta in the second game of Caulfield's AHL career when that fucking plug ran him and the very next shift Pozzetta punched his face in <laughs> and said, No, you're not gonna hit that guy. Right. So, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm really happy to see that. Uh, Pizzetta is actually a 2016 Montreal ha- like Montreal draft pick mm-hmm. playing down there with Bouchard. Um, great to see. And like I said, that AHL squad is the best AHL squad we've had since 1969. And that's backed up by stats, like just in terms of points, mm-hmm. how they've played. Um, it's ridiculous what Bergevin and Bouchard have done down there. So wherever Caulfield is, I think his development is going to be fine. But Needless to say, I would love to see him with the Habs. Yeah, I think be yeah, an opportunist right now. I really think he'll get a shot um, at some point. If it's if we're not having a, a you know if we don't turn around and, and really just have like an amazing end, we'll probably see like the last couple games he might get a shot. You know, because at that point it's like we're either in or we're out. We're not really pushing for any more dominance. You know, I think it'll happen. But like you said, he's gonna. If he sits in the AHL, he's just going to develop and he's going to de- – he's proven a fast developer. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, definitely. I'm turning back to the trade deadline. Oh, also, just while we're on Cole Caulfield, 
Uh, his jersey like immediately sold out. <laughs> um, you looked into it. Oh, I wanted to get one so bad. Um, like the the heated pressed one went like sold out in like minutes. It was like a hundred pieces, a hundred some odd dollars, you know. <laughs> but uh, all they got is the like the authentic one, and that one's closer to like you know two fifty. But the one that everyone you know like whatever people could get their hands on that wasn't so expensive like. It's instantly gone. went out, and I was dumb, and I was like, "Oh, you know, they have a couple hanging around." That's <laughs> <laughs> fucking wrong. That's funny. Uh, moving, so <laughs> moving back to the trade deadline, um, the acquisitions of Eric Gustafson and John Merrill. Now, the only thing I really knew about Eric Gustafson and John Merrill, but I knew less about Gustafson was that he randomly had like a a 60 point season with Chicago in 2018-19 and I'm just looking up his stats here now cuz I know there was there's a pretty pretty big drop off yeah after it goes that. before his his 25 year old season he had 16 points he has an amazing 60 point season the following and then it drops back down to 29 so yeah, which dude was, was on to something. What <laughs> lockout last year, 26 points in 60 games, not bad, not great. Um, and the only reason I'm talking about points so much is because oftentimes talk about a defender and you say, Well, he can he can you know put up points, but he's also great defense. Eric Gustafson does not play defense, <laughs> he is not a defender. <laughs> <laughs> like leave no like don't have any question or doubt in your mind this guy is not an elite defender he is one of the worst defenders in the league analytically mm-hmm. but he's a power play specialist and he can put up points 10 and 24 gives me a little more hope with philly he has struggled there lately and philly struggled this entire season so exactly kudos to him boy <laughs> yeah i can drop an eight <laughs> he's on pace for like 38 40 points not bad um if he can somehow find his game for a 60 point season that's looking like an outlier that'll be phenomenal for mark bergevin at the end of the day it's a seventh round draft pick i'm not too worried about it and it's a low cap hit as well i believe uh the bigger acquisition i think is john merrill who i think is going to play before Gustafson. John Merrill got picked up by Vegas from New Jersey in the expansion draft, has played in the Stanley Cup final. We have some more veteran experience there. And he is one of the best just pure shutdown defenders in the league analytically this season. He's also been Detroit's best defender all year. Now, I haven't watched any Detroit games, but this is just from everything everyone's told me, this guy has played great defensively for Detroit this year. I know watching him with Vegas, he was always very solid. Not going to get you any points. Five points on this season. Purely defensive guy. Six foot three, 195. Mullet of dreams. Looks amazing. (laughs) Just absolute fucking beauty. But two totally different players here. Um, John Merrill especially was an absolute steal. I believe we traded a fifth-round draft pick for him. Yes. Just a great That's pickup. <laughs> now, I'm not sure we needed 
these guys, to be honest, like <clears throat> it kind of puzzled me why we're trading for defensemen. That's why I came to the conclusion that must be calling up Caulfield because we needed a puck moving defenseman and we got two depth D. Mm-hmm. Now, it is what it is. Like I said, Gustafson, I'm not – he's there. I'm not going to worry too much. I think John Merrill could be a genuine steal. I think John Merrill could win Ben Sherratt's job off of him. I really do. I mm-hmm. think he's that good. He's big as well. He plays a similar style of game where he just shuts guys down. If he can if he can fight Ben Sherratt for his job, I think that's only a good thing. And he was a steal. So regardless of – where he slots in, we did. It was a great pick for a pickup for us. Now, I'm curious as to uh, where where they play. Like I said, I think it'll be the bottom. But I just want to know, like, what you expect to happen from this. Like, do you think? I guess the real question is, why do you think Bergevin made these moves? Because we can look at them and we can see very clearly. Okay, they're totally two totally opposite players, the exact same age. And just wondering, like, what, what's his plan here? Because it just seems on its surface kind of random. It feels random. Uh, I feel like this is like a cushion. I think Eric Gustafsson has, has like, we've thrown him in as like a cushion. I think uh, Merrill too, but I think Merrill fits a different way. And I'll say it in a second. Um but I feel like this is like if if Sherratt goes down or like in reference, like Sherratt goes down and we kind of panicked on the back end for a bit. I think he just grabbed two very well. They can they can do what they're supposed to do really good. And Eric Gustafsson supposed to just be a puck mover, you know, or, or a power play specialist. But I just think this is just to kind of beef up the back end. I think John Merrill's awesome because – if like so today uh they were recording actually Sherratt is like the first time he's practiced since i think what like march yeah ahead of schedule um, too yeah so um maybe we didn't know that going in but i feel like john uh merrill's coming in to like someone to throw with shea weber you know so that our awesome line of edmondson and petrie can like really kind of get stuck and glued there um I think Merrill was just like he saw someone who could hopefully as a fan, you know, help fucking Shea Weber just hold hold it together for a bit. Um other than that, I just think it was that we were just stocking up. Uh I don't understand. I, at this point it feels like okay, uh do we see Romanov move down? We're obviously probably going to see Olette and uh Leskinen move back, but does does this puzzle you coming in? You would have Gustafsson, Merrill, and then a healthy Sherratt, if you know, if willing. What do we see happen to Romanov? Like does he get Romanov down? Stay. Like that that's there's no way. I don't think there's any way in hell he gets Okay. Scratched. So, so Eric Gustafsson's gonna get be... fucking scratched. Like <laughs> I don't know that either of them start right away with Sherratt returning. Mm-hmm. I think that Gulak's played very well, realistically. Um, he could get moved. I think him and Weber have actually played pretty decently together. Mm-hmm. I was still screaming at Weber against the Leafs. That guy is not a top-pairing defender anymore. I've bitched and moaned about that enough, but holy fuck, is he a pylon. He cannot skate. 
And I don't know if you've seen on Twitter that tweet of, I don't know who originally tweeted it, saying Weber still has wheels. And every game I see people quoting it now. <laughs> Weber still has wheels. He doesn't have wheels. He can't skate. Something's um, something seriously wrong, and it, it sucks. Um, but but yeah. moving it's, it's, back it's to the Coming point. to truth. Yeah. yeah, moving back to the point, um, if Romanov does get moved, which I don't foresee, I just because he's played so well. He hasn't put up points, but like I can't remember Romanov getting beat. He just doesn't. The way he manhandled Austin Matthews. I was about to say, and he's he's laying some hits this season. Oh, he leads the Habs in hits. I'd be curious to see where he leads, where he just stands in terms of the lead lead. But if he is going to go down, it'll be at the top pair of Laval. And it'll be because I think this team is sucking and Bergevin wants him to get some. If if your AHL team is looking like they're going to go on a run and we're not doing shit, uh, let him go. Let him go help that run, you know? Yeah, exactly. So that's the only way I can see him getting kicked off. If anyone's going to, if anyone's going to play first, sorry, just to finish up, if anyone's going to play right away, it'll be John Merrill. I don't see Gusta. I think Gusta's mm-hmm. sense of depth thing. And I think the, the reason maybe Bergevin got two polar opposite players is maybe he wants to see what works with Weber and maybe he wants to see what works with Romanov. I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see where they end up in the lineup. I think both of them are going to play games. Right. But I think, like you said, though, my, my immediate thought was Merrill's going to come in to help be like a, another Edmonton for a very poor pairing right now, Shea Weber. <laughs> that or maybe, you know, you just say Weber, but you're not you're not who you were. Mm-hmm. Um, and give, give Merrill the Romanov and say, look, like Romanov, you feel free to go. You know what I mean? Because he can make. I like that. Much. I do like that. Um, okay, so I looked it up. So Alexander Romanov is 24th in the league in hits with 104. League leader is Brady Kachuk with 197. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Kachuk's on pace to beat some records here in terms of scoring and hitting, like leading his team. Mm-hmm. And it's ridiculous. Um, it's not storming anymore. You can tell. Fucking turkey won't. Show turkey's up. turkey's fucking out. What a bastard. He was scared shitless, dude. And he was, like, just chilling. And, like, the first roll of thunder came. And he went and sat in his fucking urban south box under under the fucking, the foot, you know, the foot of the bed. And just laid there scared shitless. Turkey's living lavish. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> but, yeah. So, <laughs> I just don't. I don't know what's going to have. And I think our D needs a lot of improvement personally. And like, I'm not trying to undermine Weber. Weber's a, like, I don't know if he's a hall of famer, but he's been snubbed of the Norris. I think a few times in his career. And I wouldn't say with the Hab, I'd say with Nashville, we're definitely his best years, but like you look at this guy's career, he's got 588 points, a thousand games played. How many times did he win the hardest shot? Just a consistent 50, pushing 60, 45 point guy his entire career. Goals, like we forget because just lately hasn't been there. This guy scores almost 20 goals a year. 
for his entire career. Just an absolute stud, great leader. But I don't think like the, the regression we've seen this season just scares the living hell out of me. It really does. I think we're all kind of feeling that. (laughs) I think, you know, he could bounce back, but I think you've got to try and sell Weber before it becomes unmovable. Yeah. Becomes the the biggest issue. You remember last season, um, we, you know, in our first, in our first talks, like we were just so we're like, we definitely won that, that trade and Weber has been a unit for us. And now like a year later, like we're, we're talking the possible, you know, beginning of the end for Shea Weber. Or at this point, it feels more like the middle, the middle area. Like we've already well, saw the I beginning. Don't, yeah. And I still think we won the trade. Look at Subban now. I know. Does Subban play? The only question is does Subban play better if he stays in Montreal? But that's such a what if, but who knows mm-hmm. kind of weird situation, right? And I'm not going to get into what ifs. I think Jeff Petrie's kind of done very well as, as a new Shea Weber for us. Yeah. And keep in mind, Subban's making nine mil a year. Yeah. I'm not taking that contract. Now his contract is over soon. Weber's is till 25, 26. Mm -hmm. I just think you got to move it. And whether you can, you know, maybe trade something to Seattle and say, please take this guy. Please take him. Um, I don't know. But – and I don't – like I say, it's not – I have no beef against Shea Weber. He goes out there, he plays his hardest. Some nights he still looks great, but it looks like he's slipping. And if this team is going to compete in the next few years, because it's not going to be this year. We knew that from the start. They might make a run. And at the start, I think we all got our hopes up because we saw that what this team can be. They're not – I don't think we are the team – that started the season. I think we're somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. but as the young guys get better, we're going to need to actually have some cap space to add players and, you know, make some moves. And that contract is brutal. And with the way he's playing, it's just not, I think you've just got to try and, you know, bite the bullet, trade some draft picks and get rid of them. That's such a tough, it's such a tough topic. <laughs> I, I just, like I said, there's nothing against Weber. I no, think he can still just... play hockey, but you can see the writing on the wall, right? No. Yep. Uh, like you, you know, said, it's almost like you would hope that Seattle, with like maybe just the smallest bit of coaxing, he's still a, a leader. He could be a leader in the room for a brand-new franchise or someone picks him up. Uh, yeah, Weber was like a two-, three-time all-star for us. I'm not saying we lost the trade. No, no, no. Just saying he's, he's played amazing, but we're seeing the steps where we either he stays on this team and continues to sadly be, you know, uh, well, look at a our defense leader in our problems. Look at our defense, right? Jeff Petrie, I think he's got another three, four years left. Mm-hmm. I think we are going to compete while Petrie's good. I do think that. I think Sherratt's going to be a victim of the salary. Or and the youth movement. You yeah. got Romanov, who's already here. Jordan Harris next year or the following year. <laughs> Matthias Norlander, Jaden Struble. Um, fuck, who else is down? You've got Caden Gooley. Yeah. 
You've got a lot of Josh Brook is in the AHL playing great this year. Yes, he You've is. Got guys who, <laughs> you know, they're not. They're only going to progress if you give them chances to. And Weber, you know, I just think when you can get Matthias Norland or possibly next year, who's going to distribute the puck, who's going to make plays, he's going to be mobile for probably nine hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, and you have Shea Weber who's slow and regressing for 7.5 mil, I think, I think you got to say, look, Weber, sorry, <laughs> but you got to move on. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see what Bergman does. I think the Seattle draft gives us a great opportunity. And I don't know if Weber has a new movement clause, to be honest. I don't think he does, but he might. I, it, I'm not sure. To be honest with you, I don't know how his contract is structured, but I think it's an opportunity that Bergevin at least has to look into. Right. Um, also, we're about to next season. We're going to have the same topic that we did uh, last year about uh, what 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 happens with defensemen. You know, uh, yeah. like which ones do we see not make it? You know, like uh, like you didn't even mention Kale Flurry. Like you know, like which guys oh, are going to start to. Which guys are going to start to get overlooked because of what we have coming in, and that was uh, some tough topics in the beginning, <laughs> the beginning of last season, well, actually beginning of this one. But um, I don't know. I'm trying to look up Shea Weber's uh, contracts if he's got a no move. I would hate to see him go, but like if if this is what to if this is what to be expected as like what Shea Weber is now. I hate to say it, but it's better off to move him and just get get our get our back end more more you know secure for a run, um, hopefully next year. Yeah, no, I agree. And anyway, I think we've pretty much talked about everything we could this episode. It's been fairly long for a Wednesday at least, <laughs> unless you had anything else to add. No, uh, fuck, dude, it was heavy topics this this episode. Oh. <laughs> feel like it was a little down but hopefully the beginning's like just enough bullshit and ignorance to to really have someone <laughs> what the fuck um but no i want to thank matt for coming on last week too to talk about john merrill and um basically what you said today um sums up what matt said the expectation would be of john merrill on this team so fuck if you if you guys didn't listen go back and listen to matt clink coming on talk about john merrill it was fantastic uh, a lot of laughs but no i think uh i think we can close it here it's not a problem all right right before today's uh calgary game they beat toronto last night too so worth mentioning okay well thank you guys for stopping by once again uh we got a big game against calgary tonight hopefully the boys can take it we got a six game six games left against calgary most of any team uh, they're going to be the biggest games of the year for us. They're right behind us in the standings. If we can take even half of them, uh, I think that's locked up a playoff spot. So it's big games for us for sure. And in that, in saying that, we're going to leave it there. Once again, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys on Monday. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. 
New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Listen to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast, your one-stop shop for Islanders news, analysis, and opinions, featuring the biggest personalities in sports podcasting, TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. That's right, TJ. If you want your opinions viewed through orange and blue-colored glasses from an Islander bobo and charter member of the Inlouie Trust crowd, you'll love the measured commentary from TJ. On the other hand, if you want the unvarnished truth of a hockey purist, a genius, a legend, and an all-around great guy, the grumpy old man's insane ramblings will be just what you need to survive each and every week. An all-around great guy? Well, we also have weekly installments of Stump the Grump, an absolute fan favorite. Make sure to participate in our live streams and listen every Monday and Thursday to the bi-weekly podcast. You can find the Islanders Never Say Die podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network.